Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Morning, everyone. Morning to those who are watching or listening at home. It's good to be here this morning. Hope you're enjoying this melting weather. A uh, bit more comfortable today, isn't it, which is uh, a little bit, little bit better. Apparently it's going to return in August, but then some others are saying they're doubtful it's going to. So we don't know. So whether you're looking forward to it or not, depends on how whether you cope with that hot weather, a bit, bit melting. I think one night this week in our flat, it was like 31 and a half degrees. I think even with a fan on, it was really warm, but uh, it, it's good. But I say, you're not British unless you complain, apparently, about the weather. So <laughs> that's what it is. Anyway, it's great to be here this morning to come to our, our final of our four weeks of uh, summer baggage. I'm uh, not sure what we're going to put in this place when we find something else to go on the stage for the next series. Um, the stuff we carry around with us um, weigh us down and de- debilitate much of our, our lives we've been, been looking at. We've looked at pride, we've looked at unforgiving spirit, uh, fear, uh, and all the accessories that we carry with our, with our baggage uh, and attach to all three of those we've been looking at. And there are many others that we carry along life's journey, uh, but the main areas we've looked at are probably the most common. When you look at the conveyor belt that's come off the plane, the luggage, you always find similar cases, don't you? They've all been bought online or in one place which were on offer, and you're thinking, which is mine, unless you've put a, a ribbon on it, as they advise you to do. But lots of things are very common and very similar, and there's no difference to the ones we're looking at today. Um, tomorrow we're looking at the ones that we carry, uh, which are not new luggage. They've been carried from a lot for a long time. Um, they've been carried from the beginning of time, really. Um, today we're looking at the burden or baggage, if you like, uh, of jealousy, envy, and comparison. Uh, these are heavy ones we carry around with us so often, um, but they're not ones we necessarily keep all the time. They can destroy, they spoil and so much of our lives, and they can stop us receiving experience of what God has for us. Uh, and our focus is elsewhere on the what-ifs and what-could-bes rather than looking on what we have and the blessings that we have. That green-eyed monster, as we so often call him, and can jump out from any most unexpected places. And um, you know, these, these uh, luggage sometimes are, seem heavy, but they're ones that we tend to pick up and put down. We don't tend to carry jealousy and envy with us all the time. What is jealousy? Well, if you look at the dictionary, um, English dictionary or Theosaurus, um, you find it's protectiveness, suspicion, suspiciousness, wariness, watchfulness, distrust, possessiveness, envy, covetousness, resentfulness, and desirousness. Envy, very similar rooted words, jealousy, greed, bitterness, spite, desire, covert, begrudging, and grudging. Both words have the same root in in many ways and are all involved in each other. And we can see all the negatives of those feelings that can be acted upon. Um, can we can be envious, but if we act upon it, it makes it worse and create and cause all sorts of problems. We look at our society, don't we? Right across the board, we, at large we see the pain and the chaos that jealousy and envy and looking at others in comparison 
causes. Many ask, is jealousy a sin? Now some would tell you, yes, jealousy is a sin. Well, we speaking, it can be, but not always. Uh, but most of the time it is. Jealousy, jealousy is not a sin when you are jealous over something that belongs to you. Scripture tells us that God is a jealous God. We're made for him, we're made by him, he created us. Uh, and it tells us we're not to serve other gods, because he's a jealous God. Uh, he, and he, we know to do so, it spoils our relationship with him. It's not so much a sin, but our response and actions to those things can become sin and fill our lives. We can see the effects of it in the Bible. Right through many stories in the Bible we teach our children, it is all about envy and jealousy, because envy in comparison kills relationships. If we look way back in the beginning, Genesis uh, 1, 2, we see right in the beginning of creation, Satan is envious of our relationship with God. The relationship Adam has with God, Satan is envious of that, and he goes out of his way to spoil and to destroy. Did God really say that you would be like him? You can pair yourself to him. You can be like him if you eat of this fruit. And the, the, what those of us who were created in the image of God he tries to spoil, and he still does today. We move further into Genesis. We see the story of Cain and Abel. We all know it so well. Um, Cain kills Abel because he compares the difference of his sacrifice to his brother's sacrifice that has been accepted. And he's jealous of his brother. And that jealousy turns to hatred, and he kills his brother out in, in, involved in, in that. In Genesis, again, we see the story of Jacob. And uh, his brother Esau, and he cheats him, up, cheats him out of his birthright. Later we know Esau threatens to kill him, and Jacob runs for his, his, his life. And then we come further on into Jacob's life, where he, as you know, he uh, wants to marry uh, Rachel. And he gets married to Rachel, he thinks. She takes the virtue of the veil off, and it's Leah. What a shock. You can imagine that, can't you? You go to the, um, the wedding bedroom, as they say, and certainly the bride is not the bride you just got married to. A uh, bit of a shock uh, for, for Jacob. But then it eventually marries Rachel as well and other wives. And all this brings in jealousies, and one gets pregnant, one can't get pregnant, she's barren. And there's all this arguments going on as family rifts take place because of jealousies and envy taking place in this family. Sad happenings. We move further into the Old Testament. We have a story of, in Samuel and David. Um, great battles taking place, great victories taking place, and they're all rejoicing. And as they're coming home, in 1 Samuel we read, and as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistines, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, yet David his tens of thousands. And that very line in that song really affects Saul in such a way he becomes very envious and jealous of David. Of, of not so much of, of David himself, but what the people are saying about him. And he starts comparing himself to David, because they were comparing him to David. And he gets such, such an envious and jealous rage, he picks up a javelin, throws it at David, trying to kill him, and David has to run for his life how these emotions of jealousy and envy can affect so much. And then in the New Testament, we all know the story, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Classic scenario. 
the brother feels hard done by. He compares his commitment to the lack of his brother's commitment. He is envious of his father's affections and refuses to join the family celebration. His baggage about his brother, his jealousy and envy baggage, his comparison baggage, stops him from being reconciled to his brother, stops him from joining the party, stops him from being part of the family celebration. Now, if we go through life comparing ourselves to others, uh, our lives, our possessions with others, and perhaps our lack of possessions will stagnate, will stunt our growth. And we can lose our identity in Christ and fail to be all that we can be and never be satisfied and never be content if we think the other person, the Joneses next door, as it were, have always got more than you. Rather than being satisfied with what God, by his grace, has given you. We are called by God to embrace our identity in Christ and walk in love, to walk in righteousness, to walk in the purposes that God has given us. The rewards are unending. Not the type of reward that brings temporary satisfaction in possessions, but out of deep soul satisfaction. But what is our identity in Christ? It's worth looking at that this morning. To know what we have in him, we don't need to look at other things. We don't need to worry about what others got while we've got so much. We are the children of God. We've made joint heirs with Christ, so everything he has belongs to us. We are chosen in him to be fruitful. All things in life work together for our good, and that is God's purpose for us. We are a redeemed people. He's paid the price for us. We're bought with a special price. We're no longer slaves to sin. The chains in our lives have been broken, and they can't be refitted. We've been set apart for him. We've made citizens in heaven. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. We've been raised up in Christ, we have the power within us of resurrection. More than conquerors, we're overcomers. The past is gone, we are new creations. Everything we have is now new. We don't need to compare ourselves to others. We have so much that God has given us by his grace. And so much more and things I've mentioned. I don't believe, in a sense, we lose any of that status in Christ, yet if we carry around the baggage of jealousy and envious and comparisons, it spoils it. It diminishes it. It takes away its power. It becomes Christ. It becomes powerless. Our standing in Christ becomes powerless if we're so often just looking to others and what others have that we don't have. Now we come to an account we know so well. We read recently when uh, Sunita was, was sharing with us the story of Joseph. We have this account in Joseph's life, the clearest example of jealousy in the Bible, but also fueled by wrong actions on the part of others. We read in Genesis 37, we all know the story so well. Now Israel, that is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any others of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, he hated them, him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamt. Behold, we are binding fields, sheaves in the field, 
Behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. Behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamt another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamt another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars are bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamt? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow yourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. You know, Jacob's family was dysfunctional by every standard. We have already seen the problems caused by Leah and Rachel's situation. They carried loads of baggage, most of his families. And he, had, he had lots of, I think his 12 sons from different, um, different wives, different mothers. Jacob had stolen his, his, his birthright from his brother and all the consequences of that. Family split. Yet God's overall plan comes in and by grace things work out. One would think after what happened to Jacob in his earlier life, he would have known better. Yet he gives Joseph a special coat because he loved him more than the others. That statement, there's so much wrong in that, isn't there? You know, no wonder they had problems. They loved him more than the other sons. What a mess to start with. The coat makes Joseph stand out. It was a coat that meant he was, he was a special son. And he didn't have to be involved in business of looking after the sheep. He was exempt from all that, exempt from the physical work. He was treated as special. No wonder it made his brothers envious, and that envy grew into hatred. Then to top it all, Joseph makes a decision to share the self-bragging, boastful dreams. We know, praise God, at the end of the story, his dreams are proven to be true. But it's not really the point, is it? I think with hindsight, the better decision would have been to keep quiet, don't you? But even before he shares his dreams with his brothers, then all his brothers, they hated him. They couldn't even speak to him without vile in their, in their thinking or, or speaking peacefully to him. It was, here comes the dreamer, and they would avoid him. And then, he, then on top of that, he goes and reports back to his father a bad report about his brothers. He tells tales on them. Really helpful if you don't li- they don't like you anyway. But we see in these events how envy takes root and escalates to hate. And then they're not speaking to him. Then they plan to murder him. Then he's sold as a slave. I'm not sure if that's much better. Uh, falsification of the evidence then to show Jacob that he'd been killed. He got his coat of many colors and dipped it in, in blood and then told his father he found it. He, was, he must have been killed by a wild animal. How envy just escalates and escalates and escalates into this. It takes root, and it causes problems. It cannot take root. It will choke us. We know it all works out in the end, as we say, God's overall purpose is fulfilled. We read it at the end of the story of Joseph. It says, well, it's not quite the end of the story, but he says, his brothers come to him. Can you imagine what they're feeling? Suddenly they realize the guy standing before them with all the power of Egypt, with one word, they're dead, and they know what they've done. Joseph says, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. 
For as for you, you meant this thing for evil against me, but God meant it for good, and it was God's purposes behind it. And to bring, it up, bring about the many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones that's comforted them and spoke kindly to them. There's this amazing story in it with this re- of, of what they did to, be, to forgiveness and restoration in that situation. When Ash was speaking last week to us about, about the uh, consequences of fear that keeps us from doing the things and we miss out on what, what might have been. But you can't dwell there on what might have been because God says he can restore the years a locust take away. What we've missed out on, if we come to God and we put it before God, he can restore what might have been to what is and be blessed in that. There's a, a, a story that I told in the early, earlier part of, of, of this, which is, is so, but it's what it's about. When, when I was kids, we used to buy these uh, Paul White's Dr. Jungle books. I don't know if any way back would have read those. And there's one story I always remember uh, it was about the, the, the leopard, the hunter and the leopard. Hunter went out into, uh, to hunt down uh, something to cook, uh, an antelope for the, for the pot for the village. And he's attacked by a leopard. He turns and kills the leopard. And certainly he, he, he feels the hair on the back of his head. He hears another, hears another leopard. He thought, my spear's not in my hand. But he turns around and it was a, it was a, a baby leopard. It was a cub. So he decides he has pity on the baby cub and takes the baby cub home um, to the village. And the chief warns, about, warns him, you can't have him in the village because he's going to grow up. Don't worry, we'll look after him. And they, they fed him on porridge. And he had the kindest eyes in all the jungle. And he was like a little kitten, like a dog they played with, like a baby cat they played with for years and years and years. So one day, he was playing out in the fields with, with, the, with, with the children. He's got bigger by now. And a little boy falls over and cuts his knee. And a leopard licks his knee. It's did blood. Suddenly the eyes change. Suddenly he becomes evil and he kills the child. And, and he has to give back news to the, to the village. And, and the story, story goes, and, and, and the chief says, I just think my microphone's gone, hasn't it? Uh, it's, uh, little leopards become big leopards and big leopards kill. I know it's the same with this. Small baggage can become big baggage, and big baggage kills. Small sins might seem nothing, can become big sins, and big sins kill. Being jealous is so close to coveting when someone else has opposition of someone holds. Joseph's brothers were filled with jealousy over him. The Corinthian church had a problem of being jealous over one another's spiritual gifts. Jacob's wife Rachel had a problem too. Just like King Saul is being jealous over David, what we can learn from these examples is there is no reason to be jealous of one another. God is not going to respect one person over another. He sees us all the same. He doesn't have a favorite son except for Jesus with all his children. He loves us all the same. Now this week in the question in this week's devotion has been all week, hasn't it? Why does God love us? Still trying to find the answer in those verses, but that's another story. <laughs> but we know God loves us because he loves us. He loves us all the same. We're all his children. And for these examples, God is not going to respect one person over another. We are all God's children and have unique calls in our lives. 
So rather than being jealous of uh, others' positions or possessions in life, why not accept what God has done in their lives and work together for the common good of the church, of the community, of our families? Because a house divided cannot stand. A little bit of jealousy can do a lot of harm to others and even to oneself. Thank God for his grace in Jesus Christ. We are who we are by his grace. So we cannot boast about what we have. We have what we have by his grace. As long as we have Jesus, we can be satisfied. As a song used to say, take the world, but give me Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Ash. Ash is going to sing us another song now, and she will close in, in prayer for us. Have a blessed week, everyone, those who are at home and those who are, those who are here today. I hope you have a great week. Any questions you have about what I've said today, feel free to, to, to ask. That's what we're here for. Thank you, Ash.
For when we've given up on better days There are memories we can't erase Lay it all down Lay it all down When we come to feel what we can't explain There's nothing here that can ease the pain Lay it all down Lay it all down at the feet of Jesus At the feet of Jesus Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. Lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down, lay it all down. At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus At the feet of Jesus At the feet of Father, I thank you that we can lay it all down at your feet, that you are not only willing, but you are wanting to take that away from us. And so, Father God, we come before you now, and we say, take that away, take away our baggage, take away our burdens, and help us remember that we do not need to go back past and pick them up again because once it's left at the foot of the cross it is dealt with in the name of Jesus and so Father God I just pray that we would know that, that we would walk in that, that we would live that out, that we would not let these small weeds fester into something that takes root but we would let go of that especially as soon as we can because we know Lord God that it doesn't matter where we are or who we are, or what we've done, or what we're struggling with. You are there for us, that you love us, and you want to remove that from us. You want to remove those transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And so, Father God, as we go away today, we just want to leave it here, at this place, at your feet, in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm.